My name is Scott. I'm from this Scott. tiny little. Tiny. <laughs> All right. All right. I'm from this tiny. This place tiny. carved by the glaciers <laughs> named Calgary. Yes. <laughs> I've been recording, so that's just fun. <laughs> for Cornelius. It's been a while since we've been together, but we're excited about this next set of podcasts. We're going to be exploring what wholeness looks like, what it looks like to live life to the full. We're going to talk a little bit about special needs basketball, what they have to teach us about ourselves. We're going to talk about diseases and what that teaches us about each other and living life together. We'll talk about race. We'll talk about mental illness. We'll talk about things that we're afraid of, and we'll talk about the difference between being typical whole. And so we're going to start off with an interview with a couple friends of mine. Uh, pardon us as, as we were in a hotel lobby and we're kind of silly because we love to be together. Um, but they're going to do an intro for us and then we're going to dive into these subjects over the coming weeks. So every other week our plan is to have a new podcast out. Thanks for checking us out and journeying with us at Four Cornelius. So I'm sitting with some of my dear friends here. Um, Dave Capozzi from Brockton, Mass. And Scott Wall from... (laughs) You may have heard of it. It's called Calgary. In the year of our Lord, 1988, we hosted the Winter Olympics. So we met... uh, almost a year ago at this really stressful moment in a church planner's life called assessment that Scott and I didn't realize was supposed to be stressful. And um, do me a favor in like 30 seconds, describe each other. Dave, you tell us who Scott is. Scott, you tell us who Dave is. And then that'll be more confusing for anyone listening. Here's the way that I think about you, Scott. Scott Wall is this strange combination of Pentecostal, sort of charismatic spirit, a soft heart that can touch anybody. Simultaneously, he's an academic that speaks way over my head consistently, but, but, <laughs> but, but this amazing capacity to connect uh, while he's thinking leaps and bounds beyond my capacity. His heart is connected at the lowest level sort of uh, fundamentally uh, and so for me that is you Scott an academic with a with a unbelievably soft is that good 30 seconds yeah and at that low level he met me I met I met, I met Matt Ness from this tiny little fishing village called Louisville Louis Scott who's Dave beat that um I actually met Dave for the first time on an airport shuttle uh, in Chicago. Um, Dave is an activist. Dave, yeah, husband, father, 
and a great connector of people. I see and watch him connect to people across a wide spectrum, a much wider spectrum than I could hope to imagine. Um, Dave is called to something that I think takes more courage than most people can muster on the best day. And I'm proud to be your friend in this season. I think you can already see why these two mean a ton to me. These two friends who live far away from me, and when we get together, I get so excited. And so in these next few minutes, I asked them about wholeness. I asked them about what that looks like through scripture. I asked them to give some words to you, and I think you'll be encouraged uh, and be able to hear their heart as they share. So why don't you guys hug? That was beautiful. <laughs> They're currently holding hands. Okay. So here's here's where I want to start. Um, I have been asked, and you guys know I've been rethinking what wholeness looks like. And Jesus talks about life to the full and these kind of things. And when you first hear that or think about it, um, what does wholeness look like to you? I'm going to have to edit out crickets. It's okay. We have elevator music going. <laughs> Everyone can hear that. <laughs> oh, man. I Sort of my initial response is that wholeness is actually not something that we attain. It's something that is it's it's rooted in the grace of God. Um, homeless isn't something that can be constructed, um, manufactured. I think the image I get just in the wordplay, this notion stemming from the Hebrew scriptures, this idea that God is holy, or to be holy as he is. But rooted in sort of the etymology of those terms is this idea that God is wholeness and fullness. And so to be whole is to have the work of his imminent presence at work in our lives, uh, which is why it's not something that we can produce something that he does in us in some small way. Yeah. I, I tend to think of wholeness uh, as simply this idea that we were made quite simply for God and for one another. And when we become distracted, I think, by uh, life's complications which we all have uh, and none of those by, none of, by complications none of those things include all the struggles that we face with family or friends I mean pursuing honors and, and careers and buying things that we think we absolutely must have I think when we get caught pursuing those things we, we slowly become less aware as I was sitting in class today, the thing that brought a smile to my face was the fact that I got to connect with people that I love and that I'm going home a 
was picturing laying in my bed with my wife and kids, just laughing. And so for me, having been in the presence of fellow mission friends, um, there's, there's God's mission for me, and then my family, what it is that gives me joy, that to me is wholeness. Um, and I think that that, that spreads out to uh, folks who don't have either of those things, folks who are alone. And so when I see someone lonely, I know there's something about them that is not whole, and uh, I want them to have that. So there's like this, there's this sort of infilling and there's an outgrowth of, of that joy. So one of the moments in that I'll probably remember most of this month, this month has been a challenge for me. My daughter had a surgery to put a G-tube in. She was in the hospital for like 11 days, had some other medical stuff, and we're relearning life, like to feed her through her belly, which is just a different experience. Um, probably the most full and whole I felt this whole week was when you guys came to my house and we watched my little girl play Special Olympics basketball. She didn't actually play. We watched her sit during a Special Olympics basketball game and then you guys met my family and then you came into my home and had a really simple night and my daughter crawled on my lap because she didn't want to be left out and she said butt cheeks and she was just... My son came and lied about me because it's funny. Um, but there's something where like, I felt more whole because these two worlds collided. It was like you guys looked at some pretty painful parts of my life and pretty messy parts of my life and shared that to me, with me, that felt a lot more whole. And I don't think that's how I would have described feeling whole or full Right. A couple of years ago. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, because I don't, I think we oftentimes, we come up with definitions like, and we project a sense of wholeness, which again is not, wholeness is something we receive. Yeah. And you, and, which is why your definition constantly changes and it's often informed by our, our places in our lives where all of the fullness and wholeness seems to leak out. And then in that space of darkness and loss experience the grace of God. And it's often communicated in, not in success or in accomplishment, which is where I think a lot, I mean, you were referencing the things that we do to make ourselves feel whole, right? The idea, let's think about, we don't receive it that way. We receive it as in, in those dark places. Yeah. And the places that have emptied out, as though like, you know, somebody pulled the plug out of the bottom. And all the fullness that I poured into my life in that space is all drained out. Oh, that's good. Like empty cistern. That just, yeah, that, that made me think about how, like, we understand this idea of God's self-emptying uh, in Jesus. And that's when we experience the fullness of what God calls us to in its simplicity. You know, and, and God experiences through Jesus this utter darkness. Not just on the cross, but in, in life, spending countless hours um, not sitting in, in the temple always, but with people in the streets in their lowest uh, spot. And so the simplicity of the I think you just sort of invoked in me to think of 
was uh, what Matt's referring to is just this idea uh, that what is it, what it is that connects us all is is the fact that we're created in the image of God and we all breathe the same air. Uh, and so starting on that point, knowing that we all experience pain in different places, that, that's what connects us. And looking for something beyond that is a shot in the dark. It's just a shot in the wrong direction. That was, yeah. Yeah. So I... <laughs> We've heard from some of you that the relationships aren't as easy as it's often portrayed in, in podcasts and books and things like that, that for a lot of us, relationships are hard. I want to know if you're listening and that's your case, we're sensitive to you. How we feel for you. We're going to try to explore this with you and, and think through this with you. And so even now, just to pause and say, I know that this isn't everybody's reality, but I still think it's worth taking a glimpse. I'm pretty relational, and all three of us were talking real relationally there, and have heard from people a very sincere frustration um, that was very like heartfelt of like, but relationships aren't that easy for all of us. And um, I think of how we became friends, how I first decided to trust you guys. It, I became friends to your like brokenness to like pain in your life that guy's a terrible leader <laughs> that's why you were, that's, that's what you were drawn into yeah I was like I can outlead him I've gotta be friends but in a very real way like there was like oh there's where like healing comes in and hope comes in and life comes in I can identify with that but then I think of my friends who relationships are hard and working up the courage to talk to somebody yeah. is hard, but essential for wholeness. But God's grace meets you even in, in like where you are. So for somebody who really like has a lot of pain around that, or just has um, certain challenges that make relationships much more difficult than for others, do you guys have any words f- for them? Because I don't want this to come across at all as like. Oh, it's easy. Just be best buddies with everybody. I, I don't want to oversimplify that really challenging piece for people. I, that's really that's a good word. I, I think my own life is an example of um, I spent a good two solid years in my teens being spoken to by nobody in my school. Now, you guys know me now. As somebody who thrives off of relationship, out of affirmation, out of expressions of love and to not have received that to be ignored for two years put me into a place where I didn't know how to step out of myself and connect with other people Um, basically what it it took for me was having someone that drew it out of me Uh, so putting myself in a place where I know relationship is important Uh, if you're not a relational person and maybe you're an introvert or maybe you're maybe you're you're uh, someone who sits behind a computer screen all day maybe you're an engineer that's a mind I don't understand uh, often uh, quite a few of my friends are engineers and, and they are not quite nearly as relational as I am but there's something about the way we connect 
that's that's beyond like my extrovertedness or their introvertedness. It's uh, putting yourself, knowing that it's important, is different than your ability to freely walk around and say hi to everybody. Uh, so, so I would just encourage someone who doesn't have that sort of natural ability or desire to just put yourself in that place because it is actually essential to who we are as human beings. We were created for one another. Um, and absence of another human presence of love is loneliness, which is something that is devastating to our condition as humans. So I would just say put yourself in a position where you can be around someone who can bring that life out of you a little bit. tread lightly in like offering any sort of prescription um, I mean, the only thing I can sort of humbly say is if, if connecting is hard whether that's because of wounds that have been inflicted or just personality differences maybe it's culture and difference um, I think it's so important for us to offer to one another the gift of assuming that that person is just as messed up and just as insecure as you are, regardless of what they project. Hmm. So when I look at, I mean, because well, there are a lot of people that make me feel insecure. And, and it, I don't think it's just self-comforting to my narcissism that I look at people who make me feel insecure and I say, oh, I know they're really insecure. I think it's more than that. I think it's, I want to take the posture of, I am aware, I don't want to assume that you have it all together or that you are completely unlike me. I want to offer you the gift of assuming that there's some way in which we are the same. And then I think when we do that, it makes it a lot easier to just, I think, I mean, basically all connections sort of stems from conversation. So just to be present in small moments and in simple words. It's good. Cool. Well, both of you guys have this um, in your own ways, very different from each other, but both of you, when I'm around you, I, I feel this like depth that's past your own life that's connected to the church like collective historic church that speak speaks life into words that sometimes feel um, dead or abstract or things like that so I'm wondering as we kind of close this up if, if you each can kind of just speak to some words that you hold on to that can be kind of a blessing to our few listeners. I mean, in reality, some are like pastors, some are people who like Jesus, hate the church, some are people who are just frankly my friends and, and really don't care about Jesus at all. So, um, whatever it is, I can edit this shorter, but whatever it is, uh, if you guys could just kind of speak some closing words that have some meaning and depth to you uh, for my friends, wherever they are. No pressure. Uh, 
I am someone who is in a position at age 35 that I never uh, wanted to be in or plan to be in at any point. But we started pretty poor uh, economically. As a family, when I was born, we ended up quite wealthy, and I was on a trajectory to do whatever I wanted to do in life. At some point, this goes back to your wholeness question, actually, a little bit. At some point, like, there was this just utter desperation for, uh, for something. And it, and it wasn't even necessarily faith-driven or anything. It just, like, was like, uh, I had the greatest friends. I had a seriously cushy job. I have a gorgeous wife. And I'm like, this is just, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's good. But, like, I could... I don't know that I can do this forever. And and what I would what I would say is this: for people like us, for people who are more like a a wealthy person, person of privilege, than Peter, the way you described it, the path to wholeness is actually far more difficult. It requires quite a bit of of, of brokenness, quite a bit of pain, um, because all that we've been handed. Uh, all this construct that we've embraced is actually the thing that Jesus uh, came to set us free from. But we accept it as though it's the best thing for us. Uh, and so when my path through atheism and life on the streets with people who are homeless caused me to be in a place now where I'm coming back, where I'm starting to understand that life is beautiful in the gifts that we do have, but the over, like the abundance of gifts or uh, or stuff or things or, or the things that we spend our time with actually bogs us down from the things we just described that we want to pursue and the things we love. So if, if I have any advice for anybody, it's just cut. I was going to say a bad word, friends. Uh, cut the stuff out of your life that is just sort of that you can sense is just bogging you down a little bit. Um, spend time just doing what you love, but also spend time doing things that you have no business doing. Put yourself in positions where you would not normally be. Bring someone if you need to, so you have solidarity. But get out of your own way. Um, I don't know if that's helpful, but for me it changed everything. Uh, the trajectory of my life is no longer wealthy suburb with a really beautiful home, with, a, with great cars, and people who live and, and think and talk like I do. Well, and knowing you, all that was replaced with meaning. Yeah, tremendous. And like a richness that um, pours out of you. I get to sit here with you guys as a result of that. <laughs> we talk about Calgary and Flames. mountains. <laughs> 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 Top of that, Calgary. What do you got, Rockies? <laughs> um, so if I was gonna like if I was gonna introduce you, I'd just play back what you just said. <laughs> I feel like you just spoke out of like who you are, which is awesome. Um, so that's what I 
what I try to do for two seconds here. <laughs> um, do you want to speak out of who Dave is? <laughs> no, I want to speak out of uh, I want to speak out of the core of who I am. Yeah, really. Uh, so, um, uh, probably there's some people listening that you have some really meaningful and well-deserved questions about the divine, uh, about the work of God in the world, or even about the question of theism. And um, I want to stand in solidarity with you today and say that those questions sometimes feel a lot like rabbit holes that we fall down. Um, And I've come to a place in my life in a deep and resolute trust that if Jesus isn't at the bottom of those holes, um, that we have no business making podcasts. And so I have gone through seasons of my life, both academically and then just life in advocacy, working with all kinds of people who would not consider themselves to be faithful. Um, and I found many of their questions are they might be disorienting, they might be sacrilegious, but what they do is they inform my deepest prayer um, and my longing to be known by God. And I have found that at the bottom of those holes, um, in the questions that I've asked, that, um, well, first of all, I find that the more I read the Gospels, the more I hear and see Jesus asking those same questions, questions of power and structure, religious adherence in his own world. He asked those same questions. And he postured himself in the prophetic tradition of the Hebrew scriptures, which is like a great whole. If God is not just, if God is not for the poor, if God is not for the disenfranchised, Christ postures himself and says, today you see a God that looks like that. Um, and it cost him his life. So, um, Keep asking the questions, uh, and if you're trying to help people that are trying to answer those questions, let me just assure you that Jesus is not an argument that we make. Mm. He's the the one we fall on when we have great questions in the dark places of our lives. Yeah, preach, brother. Truth. Do you want to drop that mic? Yeah. <laughs> we do not drop mics. <laughs> In Calgary. We place them gently on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you, brothers. Thank you, man. Thanks for listening today. Thanks to Scott and Dave, my good buddies. You'll hear from them again in the future. Uh, in two weeks, we'll be back with more about what wholeness looks like. And enjoy your time until then.
Thanks for listening today. Thanks to Scott and Dave, my good buddies. You'll hear from them again. Um, 